tie in there. Um, But yes, big thank you to Delaney, who so wonderfully taught last week. Um, It was awesome, so go listen to it if you didn't get the chance. Um, Just a really wonderful reminder that God is bigger than our struggles and bigger than our worries. So thank you. And then this is just like, um, just going to throw this out there, but I made a mistake in the planning of everything, like in the planning of lessons. So next week I have a bridal shower for my cousin um and it's at 10 a.m so obviously I can't be at coffee and conversations and I thought I put someone in place to teach but I don't think I did so if you would like to teach let me know Uh, same with anyone on the podcast um otherwise we just will probably cancel next week um and then the the week after that is church cleaning day so we will also not have coffee and conversations we'll just be cleaning which will be fun for us and the church I think we're going to do a lot of gardening stuff outside so it actually will be fun I think Um, So come if you're interested in that. Um, But yeah, today we are going to be looking at two sections in the Sermon on the Mount. And we're finally in chapter 7, and we only have four more weeks left on the Sermon on the Mount. So good job for sticking it out. Um, I'm sure you guys feel like experts. At least I kind of feel like I'm an expert because we've been taking our time through it. We have been studying like almost every single word of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, So yes, today we're looking at two sections. The first section is going to be about judging others. Um, The second is going to be about asking God for things. So Um, pretty general. We all probably hate the feeling of being judged, right? We don't want people to judge us for anything because it doesn't feel good. Um, and we, it doesn't feel good to be judged for what we're wearing or how we talk or what we look like or how tall we are. It doesn't feel good to be judged by anything. And then I would say most of us probably struggle with the fear of man or what people think of us. And that comes from a root of just being fearful of people judging us. Um, Elise, do you mind closing the doors real fast? I don't know why. I can't, like, focus in when the doors are open. Anyway, um, so, yeah, we typically walk away from a situation where maybe we feel like people were judging us or looking at us or thinking things about us um, a little less confident in ourselves. Um, So what do you guys notice um, that people in general judge others quickly in? What are we most prone to judge one another or others judge others for? Appearance. Appearance. Yeah, it's like the first thing you see. Yeah, yeah how they look. Don't judge a book by its cover, but everybody does anyway. Yeah. Typically by fear. Yeah, yeah, because it's like what your eyes see. Yeah. What are some other things that come to your mind? The way they talk or the way they act. Yeah, the way they talk, how they carry themselves. Yeah. I was going to say personality and actions are Yes, yeah. Yeah, there's going to be personalities that, like, you just don't click as well with. And so... Yeah. and you never know if they're just, like, having bad days. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's very true. What they have. What they have. Yeah. Yeah. Like their clothes, their cars, their house. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, like, also things that you might have heard of them or things that they've done that you're like, oh, she's the one that, like, was married four times and now she's at church. You know, like, it's easy to judge people from what you've heard about them. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that make us quick to judge and make others quick to judge. um, Because we're human beings, and we see what's on the outside, and sometimes we think that it's our place to judge. But Jesus has something pretty serious to say about our, what we should be doing when it comes to judging others. So go ahead and turn with me to Matthew 7. Um, I'll read 1 through 6 for us. 
Judge not that you may not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, then when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So, do you guys remember the beatitude, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy? And like, kind of like the implication of that. It's kind of like the same thing that Jesus is saying here. He's saying, judge not, or you will be judged. The measure that you judge others is the measure that God will judge you. So, like, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Jesus is saying, if you, have, if you realize the amount of mercy that you've been shown by Jesus, by me, then you're going to show that mercy to others. But if you fail to show that mercy to others, God's going to not show mercy to you. Um, and so in the same way, Jesus is saying here, um, you should be fully aware that you've been forgiven and you're not, you're not judged by God by your sin anymore because Jesus stands in your place. So therefore, it's not your place to get on a pedestal and judge others. Um, but if you do, then you can expect God to judge you in that same light. But of course, we always have to look at that in the light of the gospel, because if we're understanding the gospel, if we're understanding the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness we've received, we're going to be so much more likely to love others, be merciful to others, not be so quick to judge others in a way that elevates ourselves. Um, so it's kind of a scary saying when Jesus, he takes it very seriously. He wants us to judge others how we have been judged, which is we've been set free of our sin. Um, we're forgiven of it. Um, so yeah, very convicting to my heart this week as I read through that. Um, Jesus doesn't want his followers to be hypocrites. He's shown us so much mercy, so much grace, so much love that he expects us to show that to other people. God has passed over us in judgment. If you know Jesus as your savior, he doesn't see your sin anymore. God doesn't see your sin anymore. He sees Jesus' righteousness. And so because of that, Jesus expects us to look at our, other, that, at our other brothers and sisters in Christ and not see them as sinners, but see them as children of God. Um, but this is really hard to maintain. And it's so easy to, especially if you don't struggle with the same sin as someone else, you might be like, oh my gosh, why does she, why does she struggle with that? Like, I would never struggle with that. Or um, if someone struggles with a sin that is quote unquote worse than the sin that we struggle with, it's, it's a lot easier to judge them. And that's why it's so important to keep a heart of humility. And I'm literally speaking to myself here. It's so hard to do. It takes a constant reminder of the gospel in our lives. Um, so why do you guys think it's so much easier to look at the speck in someone else's eye rather than the log that is in our eye. So why is it, how is it easier to look at what's wrong in someone else's life and ignore the issues with ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I just, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, any other thoughts? Why is it easier to look at what something, what is wrong in someone else's life than look at our own hearts? It's easier to, to like, see the wrong in other people instead of, like, looking at yourselves. Because, like, for me, it becomes, like, a pride thing. Mm. It's, like, I don't want to, like, actually look, like, what's wrong with me, but it's, like, it's so much easier to see that in someone else. Yeah, see. yeah. We kind of have, like, a bird's-eye view to someone else's life yeah. where we might be able to see maybe, like, Maybe they do struggle in a certain area that we can see, but we don't always have a bird's eye view to our own life. And we're like, oh, maybe I, like you would never even know that you struggle with that because you just can't see yourself. Yeah, yeah. Too often we don't see the areas we fall short and the depths of our hearts, um, but sometimes we can see the, where other people fall short and be quick to judge. Um, so this goes back to beatitude number one, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, so being poor in spirit means that you're fully aware that you are a sinner saved by grace, that you can do nothing good apart from God. Um, and Jesus says, blessed are you if you know that you're a sinner, that you need a savior, and that you come to me because yours is the kingdom of heaven. You will be saved. You will be given a new heart. Um, it's this mark of humility. And then it's not like in that moment, all of a sudden we're humble for the rest of our lives. But the Spirit helps us be humble, um, helps us remain, maintain that attitude of humility, helps us see the speck, see, see the log in our eye quicker than we'll see the speck in someone else's eye. In, in someone else's eye. Um, now, this passage gets tricky because, um, at least in my experience, it's been pulled out at times that maybe it shouldn't be pulled out in, um, where it's been taken, maybe it's been misunderstood. Um, so sometimes, like, you'll go to confront a friend out of love, right? Um, maybe you have, like, a friend, like, if Maddie, Maddie's my friend, I love her, and what if Maddie is making a decision that is sinful, that doesn't reflect that she's a child of God? Out of love, I will go to Maddie, and I'll say, Maddie, I love you as your friend. You have to stop living like this. Um, this is not what God has for you. This is what the Word of God says. Um, if Maddie looks at this passage, she might turn on me and say, well, Riley, you're judging me. Jesus says, judge not. Um, and so that situation hasn't happened with me and Maddie, but it's happened with me and others. Of very, We can use this passage as kind of like a barrier around us and by saying, it doesn't matter what sin I struggle with. No one should judge me at all. Um, but we're called to confront one another and to speak truth to one another in love. Um, I have two passages for us. Um, Elise, could you read Ephesians 4.12? And then, Delaney, could you read Galatians 6, 1 through 2? And then whenever you're there, at least you can read it for us. Okay, Ephesians 4, 12. Thank you. Uh, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Um, it's probably my fault. Yeah. Probably wrote down the wrong one. Thank you for reading, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Delaney, if you're there, you can go ahead and read it. Um, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person, restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Hmm. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Awesome. Um, and then the passage in Ephesians that I thought I 
was a 412, which is not 412. I must have typed that in wrong. Basically just says, speak the truth to one another in love. Um, so what do these verses say about how our hearts should be when we go to someone that we love about their sin? We should be loving about it. Yeah. It should be from a place of love. Yeah. I like in, in this translation that says, um, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Mm. The word gently. Yeah. Yeah, like with like care, like it's like they're a piece of China or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gently, a place of love. Um, does your was the Galatians passage also the one that said like take care lest you also be tempted? Did it say that? Yeah. Um, but watch yourselves, or you you also may be tempted. Yeah, yeah. So it's also this attitude of humility, knowing that whatever sin they struggle with, you are fully capable of struggling with yourself. Um, So based on these verses of speaking the truth to one another in love, restoring one another gently, um, having an attitude of humility, what do you guys think is the difference between speaking the truth in love to someone who is sinning and judging someone for their sin? What's the difference? It's all a hard posture. I mean, you could go into the same situation and approach it the same way. But depending on how your heart is looking at that person, it could be a completely different outcome. For sure. Yeah. It could be the same person, the same situ- like same sin, and it could go two different ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about our heart. And this is the common theme throughout all the Sermon on the Mount, right? Jesus wants our hearts. He wants our hearts to be in the right place. He doesn't want us to just do a bunch of good deeds and be dead inside, right? Like the Pharisees. They they did everything right, but on the inside they were dead. They had no love for others. They had no love for God. Um, Jesus wants our heart, mind, body, soul. He wants us all. Um, if our hearts are healthy, our thoughts will be healthy, and then our words are going to be full of life, and our deeds will be filled with love. But if our hearts are full of ugly things, where we think we're better than everyone, everything else that we do is going to be poisoned by that pride. Um, and God knows our hearts. So sometimes you might be put in a situation where you go to a friend of yours who you love, who you know is in living in sin, and you try your best to love them and to speak truth to them in the kindest way, most gentle way possible, and they still might respond and say, like, get out of my life. I don't want to talk to you or stop judging me, or they might lose respect for you. But God knows your heart. So in moments like that, just remind yourself, God knows my heart. This person didn't see my heart, but God knows my heart. Um, and also just a side note, I was reading a um, what, what, what was it called? A article about this passage and a thing, a point that he made, which I thought was so interesting was that this passage doesn't tell us what to do when we are being judged. It tells us simply not to judge. Um, so it's tempting to look at this passage and think of all the times that you were judged wrongly and be tempting to think, oh, I wish so-and-so was here listening to this, or I wish so-and-so would read this passage. Um, But in doing that, we're doing the same thing that that person did to us. So Jesus is telling us, don't worry about if other people judge you. Choose to not judge them. It's all about our hearts. Jesus is like, don't worry about everyone else. Just focus on yourself. And that was really convicting to me because sometimes it's tempting for me to look through a passage and not think of it as for my own heart, but be like, hmm, it'd be nice if so-and-so would read this you know and that's not my place that's the lord's place to do so i thought that was just a really cool point that he made that 
um, just really challenged me. Um, so yeah, we, it's a challenging thing to get the logs out of our own eyes, but in doing that, we're drawing closer to the Lord and we're also seeing, we're seeing other people with clearer vision. Um, so this last section in this passage can be a little confusing. At least I was confused by it. Um, verse six, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Um, so when I first read this, I was like, what does this have to do with what Jesus is talking about with judging? And it seems so random. Um, so basically what Jesus is saying here is don't be quick to judge others, but don't be quick to throw out all your discernment. Um, so our love for others should not blind us to their hard hearts, to the gospel. Um, So dogs and swine are used throughout the New Testament to refer to people who are hostile to God and hostile to the gospel. I don't know if you guys have ever met someone who does not want to talk about God, does not want to talk about the gospel. Their hearts are so hard. Um, The Bible would, would refer to them as dogs, not saying that God doesn't love them or that their hearts can't be softened. But in that moment, they hate God so much that they just don't want to hear it. Um, so these people are the ones who hate the Bible and are quick to make fun of you or hate you for the, the things that you believe. Um, you might share the gospel with them and they might respond with cynicism, a hard heart, criticism, hate, violence, harsh words. Um, so this is a tough verse because Jesus is basically saying, don't tell the gospel to people who have repeatedly showed you that they are hostile to it, which is like crazy for us to think about because we're like, well, we're supposed to share the gospel over and over and over again, and this is true, but we also have to have wisdom to know when to not cast the pearl of the gospel, the value of the gospel at dogs and swine who don't want to hear it. Um, and this is clear in other parts of the scripture. In Matthew ten fourteen, Jesus says to his disciples, go to a city, and if they reject you, shake the dust from your feet and go on to the next city. Um, so basically, Jesus is like, use your time wisely. If you go and you share the gospel with someone and they're like, never tell me the gospel again, you'll be like, okay, I'll pray for you, but I'm going to go find someone with a soft heart that's going to receive the gospel. Um, so when you guys read verses like this, or when you just hear the explanation of this verse what do you what what are you thinking in your mind what what kind of things are going on yeah what do you guys think of verses like this i think that like when i first read them like i'm like yeah like i can do this and then like when the moment comes i like fail like Immediately. Mm. <laughs> so it's definitely something that, like, has to be, like, continually, like, practiced. Yeah. Meditated on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What else, what else do you guys think of verses like this that tell us, in some situations, don't share the gospel? Hmm. But from God's perspective, he already, like, kind of sees everything. Yeah. 
already knows what's like going on and mm, that's true cool like if you ever do like go back and like people like we were talking last week about like um about how like in high school like you guys were like like share the gospel a lot and share Jesus and then it wasn't until like years later that people like would reach back to you mm. so it's I mean I guess it's not always going to be immediate but it's right. something that God works on yeah for sure yeah that's a really great way to put it yeah, just because you stop point-blankly sharing the gospel with them doesn't mean you stop praying for them and loving them and caring for them in a way that reflects Christ. Um, so I found a really cool answer to this question um, because I honestly struggle with verses like this because I don't want to stop sharing the gospel with someone even if they tell me, like, shut up, you know? <laughs> like, I still don't want to stop. So I found a really cool answer to this question that helped me understand this more. Um, uh, they said we are called, we are to share the gospel, but when it comes to we, but when it comes apparent that the gospel is not welcome, we are to move on. We are responsible to share the good news. We are not responsible for people's response to the good news. Pigs don't appreciate pearls, and some people don't appreciate what Christ has done for them. Our job is not to force conversations or cram the gospel down people's throats. There is no sense in preaching the value of pearls to swine. Jesus' instruction to his apostles on how they handle rejection was to simply go elsewhere. There are other people who need to hear the gospel, and they are ready to hear it. And I was like, oh, that's so hard sometimes because I don't want to give up on the person that, like, doesn't want to hear the gospel. Um, Does anyone have, like, a personal example of someone who has had a really hard heart that you had to kind of step away from? I know with me, I had a friend who I, I'm guilty of the, what the guy said about like cramming conversations or forcing conversations or cramming it down their throats. And I remember I would, every time we'd hang out, I'd share the gospel with her and tell her about the Lord over and over and over again. And she was like the hardest heart I've ever met. Like she told me over and over again, she's like, Riley, I'm not going to receive the gospel. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. Like you have to like stop talking about it. Um, she was very harsh with like me about it, and I and eventually I stopped and I stepped away. And um, she like doesn't like we don't hang out at all anymore. But sometimes she'll text me like when she goes through a hard time. Like she'll break up with her boyfriend and text me, or she just had a miscarriage and she'll text me. And so it's that thing of like she knows there's something different. She's hard to the gospel, but she knows in the toughest times that there's got to be something more. Um, but. Yeah, does anyone else have, like, a story or a time that they had to choose to step away? Yeah, there, there will be people with hard hearts and people with soft hearts. God will sometimes soften a hard heart, um, or sometimes he won't. But it's wise to keep moving on and trust God, like Elise said, with that person who clearly rejected the gospel, but... Pray for them and trust that God is the one that can do anything, that he can do abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine, um, and that he has a plan, and sometimes that plan doesn't involve us. Um, So yeah, kind of an interesting verse. So Jesus then jumps over into prayer, which is interesting in this context, right? So he's like, don't throw your pearls to swine, but this is how you pray, kind of hinting that we should pray for the people that reject the gospel. Um, So he compares praying to asking um a fa- like your father for something um maddie do you mind reading seven through eleven of chapter seven 
Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Who among you, if the son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give, you, give good things to those who ask him? Awesome. Thank you, Maddie. Um, so when you guys think of a good father, what characteristic, what character qualities come to your mind? Very forgiving. Very forgiving, yeah. Yeah. Forgiving. dependable yeah you can trust in them accepting accepting yeah sacrificial sacrificial that's a good one i think of a a leader a gentle leader they're usually the role models if they're good fathers they're role models they're kind they're gentle they're caring um, but here on this earth, we don't always have good, quote-unquote, earthly fathers. Some of us have good earthly fathers. Some of us don't have that story. Um, but no matter what your story or relationship is with your father, that doesn't change who God is as your father because he's, he's not just a good father. He's a perfect father. Um, so Jesus kind of illustrates this relationship that we have with God when we go to him in prayer as a relationship between a child and and a good father. Um, so he doesn't want to hurt us. He's not selfish or prideful or forgetful. He's that good father that we all have in our minds. Um, he doesn't belittle us, belittle us or toss us aside. He listens and he gives his children good things because he's a good father. Um, so for you guys, is it hard for you to believe verses like this? Or um, is it easy? Verses that say, like, ask and you will receive because your father is good and he listens to you. Is that easy for you to believe? A little harder for me to believe. Yeah. Just because if you don't have an earthly father like our heavenly father, then you automatically hmm. put the qualities of your earthly father in your relationship yeah. with him to your heavenly father. Yeah. So if you're not used to getting things, hmm good or bad from your earthly father then it's harder to understand that you have somebody who loves you more than anything yeah yeah what's that been like for you to learn that your heavenly father is different than your earthly father it's been a big struggle yeah just because like i'm like okay everything's good like in my life right now that means i don't have to talk to my dad hmm yeah and then like oh things are bad that means I don't have to talk to my dad just because like that's not how my relationship works right but in reality it's the opposite like because mm. if you're only used to talking to your earthly father like when everything is perfectly fine and you just mm. don't share anything bad with him and you don't let him take those from you because you can't yeah it's hard to give those things to your oh father. for sure yeah yeah that's so hard yeah. Yeah. Would you say that like you have a 
greater understanding of like how God is your perfectly heavenly father because of like the things that you've had to relearn or is it more of a we're getting there yeah yeah it's a day by day thing it's something that's not going to be healed in you know for sure a day or a month or a year Mm. yeah but I can definitely see how that is growing Hmm. yeah 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 I really don't want I also, from seeing, like, other people's relationships with their fathers, like, mm. at least with your father and the Spanglers with Brad and just, like, other people that I know and they seen their relationship with their father, that, and has given me, like, okay, that's what a father-daughter relationship is. Right. Like. So I have examples mm. that help me relate to what my relationship with my family which is encouraging for me. Yeah. And like yeah. that also like kind of on a different note gives me an example of what to look like. like if I ever have kids, hmm. what do I want my husband and my children's relationship? Yeah. 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 Also. Yeah. That way you don't fall into like the same pattern. Right. Yeah. I think that's what really started my healing process. I came around here and I saw y'all. Like, in your, like, just everybody's relationship with their dads, and I think that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. Like, what is that? I the same thing. Yeah. Because like, it's, like, not what you were taught. Yeah. So, like, in your eyes, it was, like... It's foreign. Yeah. yeah. It was really cool, but it was just, like, she's talking about her dad like that. Like, mm. it's just, it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it breaks my heart, because, like, that's not, like, the way that you, what you guys experienced is, like, not the way it should be by any means but like the lord can also redeem and change and show you so many things about himself that will be able to like you said delaney heal you day by day Mm -hmm. and show you exactly who he is in that Mm -hmm. but yeah i think that it's so hard when you don't have a good earthly father to learn exactly what your heavenly father is like and in a way like knowing how my relationship with our heavenly father is given me a certain amount still need to grow another lot like a certain amount of grace with my father. Huh. Like my earthly father. Yeah. Because like he doesn't really learn. Hmm. But I do and like I don't know if it makes sense, but like I know how the relationship's supposed to work and he just doesn't Yeah. He just doesn't get it. Yeah. Cause you you at least have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. He does not. So it's like yeah. of course he he just doesn't yeah. It's just, it's a weird dynamic. Yeah. Works. And that's like the Holy Spirit helping you be merciful to him, even. Yeah, there's no other way. Yeah. No yeah. Yeah. That just shows that God is working in you. But yeah, good, good fathers know what's best for their children. They give them things that are good because they know it's best, that they're thinking in their best interest. They're putting them, um, they're just like thinking about their lives and what's good for them. And God is the perfect Heavenly Father. Um, but sometimes our life is hard and we might feel like our prayers are not being answered. Um, because it says, ask and you will receive. Give and knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. Well, what if you've been knocking for like three years, praying for the same thing, and you feel like God isn't answering you? Um, so um, I have like a few situations. I think two situations. Um, I want to hear what you guys think about these situations and how you would like what you would say to yourself if you're struggling with this or what you would say to a friend that was struggling with this um so like let's say you've been praying for years for a husband 
and God is not sending you a husband or a boyfriend or anyone close to that. Um, but you are starting to wonder if you will ever meet the guy that you so that your heart desires and you're asking for the Lord, but he's not giving it to you. So what would you guys say to a friend who is struggling with this? Or if this is something that you struggle with, what do you tell yourself? Um, I think it's good to remind yourself that singleness is a gift. Hmm. Um, and it, the way I view it a lot is um, I'm going to try to put this in a not harsh way. Um, when you're single, there's more time and there's more energy you could put towards your relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Not saying you can't do that when you're married, but yeah. when you're married, you have a whole other human attached, literally attached to you, and you put a lot of your time and a lot of your energy into them also, which is a whole other kind of a relationship that you get with the Lord in that way. Mm-hmm. But it's just... Does yeah. That make sense? Yeah, and that's biblical. Like there's Paul's. There's nothing wrong with marriage at all. Yeah. I think it's great, but mm-hmm. there's also like, certain gifts to seamless. Yeah, yeah, and Paul even says that he's like the married man is like concerned about the things of this world, like his marriage and his wife and like his happiness and stuff. But the single man is free. He like literally says that. Yeah. It's like okay, Paul's obviously like team single. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's usually how I view it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So how would you view like it in context of like this, like these verses of like ask and you will receive, like if you're asking for a husband, but you're not receiving it, how is the Lord actually still answering you? I think in that way, he's just like preparing you. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's also just like a growing period. Yeah. Yes, it makes so much sense. Yeah. 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 What else would you guys, what, what else do you guys have to say to a friend or yourself who is struggling or walking through this? Um, so I was kind of talking about this on Thursday night at at the well, um, but I think it's a common lie that we believe, or at least I've heard people say that they believe, like, they're like, oh, I just, I have to, like, change this and this and this before I have a boyfriend or whoever. God is waiting on blessing me until I change in this way. We think it's like we have to reach some level of spiritual maturity before God will like bless us with certain things. Like we have to, yeah, bad, right? That makes you feel awful. Yeah, that just like, that just automatically says like, oh, people who are married are more spiritual mature than those who are single. And that's like not true, right? Um, So God doesn't always, it's not like God is like withholding things from you, waiting for you to be good enough to give it to you. Sometimes parents give their kids a cookie, even if the kid has been terrible all day, you know? Like, God is a good Heavenly Father. He's not just, like, waiting to bless you with things that you want and waiting for you to change. 
even though there is maybe some element to that, um, but you being single is not because you are not spiritually mature, right? It's simply because God has seen it that best, that the best gift for you right now is singleness, not because you're a bad Christian, not because you're not ready for it, but simply because that's his will for your life. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's something that always like irks me a little bit when people say that because it's, it's just not true. And that's so hurtful to you guys who are single because a lot of you are very spiritually mature. Um, and it's not because of that, that you're not in a relationship. So God hears you. He is near to you. He loves you. Um, and he's asking you, do you trust me? Do you trust that I'm a good father who gives you good things? Like keep coming to me with your desires, but also trust that I am sovereign, that I know what's best and I'm going to provide for you and sustain you and satisfy the deepest things in your heart. Um, so the second situation I have, and this is something that I struggle with a lot. So maybe you've been asking God to save your unbelieving family or your friend who is an unbeliever, um, but you're not seeing any fruit at all. So how can God give good things if it seems like what you're asking for is so good, like the salvation of someone else is so good, but God is not answering it? Um, how can God be a good father? How would you guys answer that question? That's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of going off what you said, Elise, a big thing for really both of these situations for me is to remember that his timing is perfect. Yeah. Like, what if the guy that, you know, you're going to marry someday isn't ready yet? Mm. Or what if you're not ready yet? Or in, in this situation, what if your friend's not ready yet? Yeah. What if he hasn't softened their heart enough? Mm. What if they haven't gone through what they needed to go through? Yeah. So his timing is a big comfort to me. Hmm. during both of, like, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, his timing is perfect. Yeah. It's hard to think sometimes. Yes! Your timing is perfect. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. This is such a hard situation, because it seems like such a good thing to ask God for the salvation of someone else. You're like, God, this this is, like, such a good thing that you could give to them and give to me, you know? But, like you said, God's timing is perfect. And we have to cling to the hope that God knows and he's in control and that our prayers do matter, that they are working um, and God is sovereign. We have no idea how powerful our prayers are. So never give up, give up on praying. Um, so sometimes the prosperity gospel, you guys know. What, ah, I just dropped my Bible. <laughs> you guys know what the prosperity gospel is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Prosperity gospel basically is like um, Jesus came to make you happy, healthy and wealthy. Ooh, boo. So bad. Jesus came to save us from our sins, not to make us 
<laughs> so the, the prosperity gospel t- will take verses like this, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you, like whatever you ask, the Lord will give to you. They use that to kind of build their theology. So what would you guys say, like why, okay, let me back up. Why is thinking that God wants to make us happy, healthy, and wealthy wrong? Like I saw, I saw your face like cringe, Delaney. Like why, what in that makes us cringe? Oh, yes. Well, there's like hundreds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's so many. I mean, just this morning and when I was doing my devotions, it was in Matthew 12 of, and he says, take up your cross daily, follow me, deny yourself. And there's no really happy, healthy, wealthy people that can take up their cross and die to themselves. Yeah, it just is completely against the gospel, right? So the prosperity gospel is not the gospel at all, and it grinds my gears because it leads so many people astray. Um, and so, yeah, we actually did a whole podcast over it last summer, and it was so if you want to listen to that, feel free. Um, so this verse does not mean God will give you a Lamborghini if you go to him and ask for it, or God will give you whatever you want if you go to him and ask. Um, so when we are loving God for what he can do for us, we're not loving him at all. We have to love him for who he is. Um, truly walking with the Lord, when, when we're asking things for, when we are truly walking with the Lord, when we ask for things like money, clothes, things that we want, things that we need, we ask for it according to his will. So if we do want a Lamborghini, we can say, Lord, give me a Lamborghini if it's your will. But I promise you, it's probably not his will that you have that. So. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, Jesus says, hey. Yes, Jesus loves you. Oh, yeah. Jesus loves you. That's the only way to really make it gospel centered. <laughs> you what? What did she say? Oh, yes, you should. Someone needs to bring, give that idea to him. Um, so we can ask God for things that we'll, like that we do want, like a house. But sometimes it's God's will that we live in a tiny apartment. Or um, sometimes it's God's will that we don't have all the money in the world. Or sometimes it's God's will that we do have money, but we use it for his glory instead. Um, so this verse, if you ever hear it in the context of the prosperity gospel where someone's like, well, whatever I want, God will give me. Um, you tell them, no way, that's not what it means. Um, it's so easy, especially um, new believers, they get really sucked into like that kind of mindset. But it just sets us up for failure because as soon as something bad happens to us, we think God is bad because God would never do this to me if he's supposed to give me good things when we know that we're supposed to suffer for the gospel. Um, so yeah, we can boldly approach the throne of God with our desires, our cares, our worries, and our requests, knowing that he's a good heavenly father that will only give us good things, that he loves us and he listens to us, um, and he's our best interest in mind. Um, so yeah, that is all that I have for today. That wrapped up really fast, faster than I thought. Um, any comments or questions or concerns of heresy? Awesome. All right. I'll pray. (laughs) Um, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for being a perfect Heavenly Father. And um, just for all the things that you do for us that we don't even know. Thank you that um, 
we can come to you with anything that we have, that we can ask you for what we need and trust that you're a God who listens, who cares, and will respond. Um, And Lord, we just pray for our hearts. Would you give us hearts of humility and love and a gentle spirit? Um, Would you help us never think too highly of ourselves, but to always remember the gospel, that we've been saved um, from sin and that we're just sinners saved by grace. And that's that's what identifies us now, that we're your children. Would you help us love others well um, and love one another well? Lord, be with us this week. Help us be lights everywhere we go. Um, We love you and we trust you, Lord. You know what I pray. Amen.